coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creepshow. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. <laughs> Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. <laughs> No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creepshow, the most fun you'll ever have being scared. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Hear the Silent Movies. Halloween special part dear or part three. I'm Kane on the other side of the glass is Mike on the other side of the equator, or he's in the next county over, not the equator. I take that back. Good evening, sir. Good evening. That, and that is, by the way, that, that's Mr. Ted Detson, by the way. That's. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Detson. I apologize. <laughs> uh, Charles asked for the faux pas. What's your name? Guys, we're doing Creep Show tonight. The third movie, actually, is the third. Yeah, this is the third movie. Yeah, third third movie we're doing in our Halloween special. Uh, we got one more left, if maybe we do, maybe we don't. Maybe there's a sequel out there. But uh, actually, no, sir. We we according to our records, there are three left. Is there three left? Yeah. Well, you got your you got your bonus show, and then there's technically two. That's right. There is three left. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't trying to say anything about the bonus show yet, but yeah. But yes, yeah, no, we already I, talked about the bonus show last week, so it's not like okay, it's not yeah. like it's not like we're breaking anything new. And, and trust me, I was trying to do a little surprise, but I did mention. I, it I don't. Time. I don't think it'll matter to them. <laughs> Still, I, I like surprises, man. So we are doing a bonus show, and actually, I'm recording that later on tonight with a West Coast friend of mine. But today, I'm doing Creep Show with Mike and Mike. Thoughts on Creep Show? This is a Stephen King. I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is Stephen King. Uh, Robert uh, Robert Ramirez is also uh, a Ramiro. Ramiro is Ramiro. actually directing it. This is Stephen King's screenplay, um, also edited by uh, like a Paul Paul Hirsch. I mean, you got tons of great folks on here. A great Warner Brothers movie, and I just I, this one has always been just a it's held such a little warm place in my heart because this is probably one of the first horror movies I truly remember in. I think this was the beginning of the anthology horror thing that was going on through the uh, through the eighties. Not just not just horror, but there was a couple of other like um, anthology type shows and, and and movies that went on like this. So you know, to me, I, I loved them. I, it's just so much fun. I, there are many stories. Uh, I've me as a, a, a avid book reader, I'm always a big fan of like short stories within. Uh, I think Steve, with Stephen King being the you know, screenplay of Stephen King's. I'm a huge fan of his if his books where they're small stories, his novellas, basically what he calls it, the collection of his novellas. I love those because that's where you've gotten some of the best stories ever. 
really from him is from these little novellas. Yeah, and uh, translated into the big screen. I think. Yeah, you're right. I want to piggyback what you said earlier. This was like I think Creepshow was the beginning of anthology series going forward. Not as far as movies goes, but as far as the television world went. Because eventually we had uh, Tales from the Crypt. That's kind of an anthology. We had Tales from the Dark Side, another type of anthology thing. So this is like a kind of like a springboard to what we would get eventually. Later and probably on. one of my favorite ones from the 80s, Amazing Stories. But with Amazing Steven Stories. Uh, there was a show called Monsters. I'm not sure if that was an anthology, but it was, I think it was a type of anthology thing. It was different stories every week. So Monsters was another one. But this was the one that kind of began it. Um, I think lately they're trying to bring those things back. They had a, a rebirth of Tales from the Crypt, I think that was last year. I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch it, but from what I've from what I've heard from people, they said it's pretty decent. Yeah. To me, between if you give me choice between Creep Show and Tales from the Crypt, I'm I'm always going to go Creep Show. That's I know that yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a big fan base because of the Tales from the Crypt show and, and the Crypt Keeper. There was always this big fan base, but to me, something about the creep show just is just it, it's it's I think because it was probably one of the originals and it paid a lot of heavy homage to the comic book, the horror comic book genre that, you know, we don't talk about much. We talk about some of like the spooky side and the mystical size. But on our Heroes Asylum show, we don't delve too much into the horror side of that. And this also took uh, I mean, what better way of, of mixing the horror comics, uh, anthology series and cheesy 80s? <laughs> I mean, this is everything. And this is very cheesy. Uh, some of you guys, if you had never seen this, for, if you're going to watch this for the first time, don't get taken back. Just remember, it's a, it's a period piece of the time, 1982. So, I mean, for, for Mike and I, we were used to it. It's like back then it was cool, especially when we see the first story. I think it's with Stephen King where he turns into like a mosque type of creature. No, it, we got, we do the prequel Father's Day. I think the... Oh! Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that one you're talking about is the second one with Stephen King in it, so... Is this the second one or is it the first one? Do we have the Indian in this one, or is it the second one? Uh, we got the... This one is... what are, the, the stories we have is the prologue, Father's Day, Lonesome okay. Death of Jordy Verrill, which is the one I think that's King's on, uh, Something to Hide You Over, or Tide You Over, which is the Ted Danson and um, yeah. Le Leslie Nielsen one, The Crate, which... Big fan of the great, love Ooh, the great. The, the, that's the last one I think. No, uh, then there's uh, they're creeping up on you, and then the epilogue, which is the ending of the first, the prologue that we start. And with. by the way, they made a sequel to this. Creepshow two came out. I think it was three years later. It's nineteen eighty five, I believe. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. It wasn't as good as the first one, but there were still some pretty memorable stories out there. Oh I, yeah. I, th I think the one I recall from the second one is the um it's the chief the indian one you're just talking about not the chief but there was another one where they're actually the swimmers hey don't swim past this point you don't want to go in there don't, yeah the raft that's when you're yeah. yeah yeah I was so, to me still just as good of a movie this is one of those ones the sequel is to me is one of those ones that really held up and, and was uh right along with the uh the original yeah so anyway guys enough of us chatting about it let's put our fingers and hit three two one play and play it so uh i got it at zero let me make sure. Yeah, I'm at zero, zero, zero. Hopefully you are too. So uh, watch along with us, get a beverage, get a Coke, get a pizza, get whatever, and enjoy 1982's Creepshow. It's only two hours, kids, so get ready. Three, two, one, play! Little, look at that, look at that old school Yeah! Out of times. I don't know. That house looks very familiar. It seems like it's almost in every 
every type of horror movie. Doesn't I'm sure we've seen it in a lot of other ones. It's probably just me. Something about those jack-o'-lanterns. I'm not going to sit there and say the jack-o'-lantern in one movie is scarier than another movie, but ooh, yeah, we got child abuse. Everything going on. This guy... This is uh, Tom Atkinson, y'all. Rockford Files, Night of the Creeps, Lethal Weapon. Night of the Creeps. I had that Godzilla! Now, the kid, the kid is a very famous author right now. That is Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, who's a big, big author in his own right, yeah. Uh, Horns, Nosferatu. I mean, some really great books. If you've ever watched Horns, the one with uh, with um, uh, Elijah Wood. Uh, oh, no, yeah, is it Elijah Wood? Right, right on. No, that? It's, is it Danny Radcliffe? Is Maybe it's Radcliffe. Maybe it's Radcliffe. Sorry, yeah. But yeah, now he's uh, yeah, he's an author in his own right and a great, great uh, comic book writer as well. He did he did Lock and Key. He's writer of Lock and Key. Uh, he's making he's making dough off that. Lock and Key season two is supposed to be coming out pretty shortly from what I read. So first season was really good. And I actually got a chance to actually read some of the books and they go pretty cool. I mean, they get pretty deep in some stuff like mythology, demonism and all that. And no pun intended, but the keys are literally the key. When you said Night of the Creeps, I was like, oh, my God. Because around this time we had Night of the Creeps. There's a Godzilla. I think I, I think I remember him more from Lethal Weapon. He was also in your probably one of your most favorite uh, Halloween, uh, Halloween Three, Season of the Witch, and uh, and then also I think probably one of our favorite like, early eighty movies, Escape from New York. He was the. Hmm. I think he's the one that like that that gave him that wasn't he like the the, the commander that that stuck him with the. Uh, I think he was the yeah the commander, and, and please excuse the. Uh, Look out! Dude, that's the, terrifying. Yeah. That's that is dude. That is terrifying. Sorry, even now, like CG stuff is like eh whatever. I'm not a CG hater, but for a kid like back then, that's eighty two. I'm about eight maybe. Yeah, eight. And I'm watching that. I was terrified because the first I didn't see this movie in the theaters. I saw it on uh, Channel Eleven WPIX. It was a local channel. And I watched it. My mom told me, don't watch that movie before you go to bed. I go, I ain't nothing going to happen. Dude, I could not sleep. <laughs> Should have listened to mom. Ed, Ed, is that the Ed? Ted dance? Yeah, Ed, Ed, Ed Harris is in here. And make sure you guys do check out his, oh. his awesome dance moves. You were mentioning before in our little pre-show that um, they don't do too much of these uh, horror anthology comics anymore. And you're right. They're basically, they mix in uh, the horror characters into like just the regular narrative of a comic now. Now, yeah, every once in a while they'll do like a, a, a an anthology run. Like right now, I mean, like Batman, they're doing, Batman's doing that anthology run with the world. I mean, that's basically an anthology run. Um, and they'll usually do those for to celebrate something or a holiday, like a horror, you know, like Halloween. Sometimes they'll do like release some great ones. Mm-hmm. 
love that fade. It goes from the animated to like, you know, there's Ed Harris. Look at that. He's got a lot of hair back there. Good for you, Ed. I don't know who this guy is, but he just looks like a douche. Double gold chain. Douche. Happy Father's Day. Oh, I remember this one now. Did you buy the comic first, or did you see the movie first? I'm, I I'm saw sure the I saw the movie first. I mean, you got to realize. I mean, how old were we at this when this movie came out? We were so you know pretty young. We're eight years old. Yeah, guys. yeah. That shows you how we are. <laughs> a little inside behind the curtain there. Yeah, I, uh, I where I grew up, I there were not a lot of comic book stores, so. Little little nods to, to some future uh, future uh, Hulk movie uh, stylings. Yep. I think that might be why I did enjoy the Hulk uh, because of the I enjoyed this styling with what they did with yeah. mixing the comics, and I think that's kind of why I was like, yeah, it reminds me of that style. But I just thought it was done a little bit too much. Oh, this is my opinion. So weird seeing Ed so young here. And Ed is still going. You gotta read these facts. Creep shows insane. There's not a lot on here. I mean, there's a few things they talk about. Some uh, some minutes were were. Um, I think they said there were about 15 minutes that were cut. God, have you seen a picture of Joe Hill? He looks exactly like his dad. Yeah, he does. Yeah, frightening. Like he's yeah. like his dad at that at a younger age. Like his dad now is old, has gray hair, doesn't have a beard. But Joe looks like the spinning. Joe, Joe's Joe's got some gray in that beard. Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, just I just did a little zoom shot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a big Joe Hill fan for with his uh with his books. So yeah, trust me, I keep up with him. He, he's he's got a bit of his dad's styling in it, but like how you know he really focuses like being from a small town because I mean he was raised in a small you know New England town, so he still kind of got that same thought process. But it's just some of the twists and turns he takes on on it that are just like it, it's a. It's like Stephen King for our generation, like for our parents' generation. The Stephen King wrote about their time, you know, their coming of age. He does sort of the same thing, but he does it for for people our age. Um, I'm rereading Nosferatu right now, and like he talks about growing up in the '80s about video going to the video game arcade and picking up this toy, and it's like I I remember those things. Um, there is a series, I think it's on Hulu or AMC. Is it is that is it Nosferatu or just something else? Oh my God! Uh, this guy, uh, Zachary Quinto, he's in it. He, uh, Spock. I wonder, if that, I wonder if Joe Hill did that. You just got me thinking. Let me, let me see. Yeah, he's doing notes for out too. Yeah, 
I haven't watched the. I haven't watched it yet because I just. Saw uh, it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I have seen like a couple episodes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm, I haven't read the book, but it starts off like this guy, very old, and he's driving this old timey car, and I think he's like trying to kidnap kids or something, and I guess he needs them to get younger. I don't know. It just. I only have seen two episodes, so I'm not sure if that's the same thing you're reading. It, it is, yeah. The kind, the kind, kind of the concept of it is, yeah. It's not exactly it. So it's probably why it didn't. It didn't last long. It only lasted like two seasons, I think. Now, Vivica, you may rec- recognize uh, the, the lady that's playing the, the mean ant that's walking in right now, um, or walking up to the grave. Uh, she's from a dark city. It's probably something that we probably would remember her from. Um, and uh, also, if for you know, any uh, any of you gators out there from Stargate the movie, she was, she was the original uh, daughter of the scientist. Oh, wow. This dad is a douche. Who is this guy? Again, with those little cutaways. See, it doesn't bother me here. That, ah! that is John Lormer. Um, Star Trek, Twilight Zone, Perry Mason, Paint and Place. Yeah, he was in, in quite a bit. Um, yeah, he was actually he was actually the original uh, Star in the original Star Trek, the the Cage in the Menagerie. He was the Doctor that was in that in the uh, original episode. Holy shit. Well, you gotta realize when they started writing or making those Star Treks, that you know, a lot of them were bouncing back and forth between Twilight Zone and um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the same shows in that time frame. Because if you, I mean, you, you had you had um, you had William Shatner in Twilight Zone. I think you had Leonard Nimoy in a Twilight Zone. I think they all were in a Twilight Zone I episode. Think all, I think they and, all. Were. I think also if you look at Bonanza, I think they all were in like a Bonanza episode and just all sorts of things. They probably shot all those shows in the same lot. Is that correct? Most well? likely. I mean, well, again, you got to realize this is Hollywood back then. Back in the day, there was only a couple, a couple lots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they were scattered around the city, but you know, they pretty much kind of jumped from place to place. I mean, unless they were on the main lot, unless they were under contract with one of the main ones, you could, you only worked for that one theater mm-hmm. back then. That was back when they had the uh, the studio systems. Yeah, those uh, those went bye bye. Long time ago. In a way, it's kind of. I mean, like what Disney and M- and uh, and uh, M- MCU are doing lately. That's it's kind of what they're doing, you know. And I, I kind of look, look. I like watching it that way. Like you know, these guys are all going to be on these series of movies, and they might have a couple of spinoffs by themselves. And you, and some of them do that. I mean, I think even Keanu had a, had a contract with uh, one of them for a long time, where he would only do their movies, you know, or he bulk of his were from them. Well, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Christopher Nolan, he just broke his contract with Warner Brothers. He's doing uh, a film for Universal now. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, he, another he one, yeah. Warner Brothers for a long time, and then 
This is 1982, man. That's that's terrifying to me. Again, George Romero, I mean, the king when it comes to special effects and and horror movies. I mean, he this is the best. If you're gonna do the best, get the get a movie like this. You want to get the best. Something about practical effects, man. It just. You know, I'm not, I'm not such an old man that I don't appreciate CGI. I do. Just... Back in my day. Here we go. Ed Harris busting a move, man. Look at that. Look at Ed. Get it. Wow. Gonna block this out of my mind. Nope. You can never unsee that. <laughs> It's just there now. So this movie actually had an $8 million budget and made $21 million. So, I mean, you got to get back in the day. Not a lot of theaters were out there. But pretty decent. Well, I think a lot of the directors, they were pinching the pennies back then. That's why you, and you could shit shows. Like, they... Uh, I think Romero, he used... Um, I think he used Rice Krispies for maggots, I think. It's in this. I have it right here. I got it pulled up. Let me see. Here it is. Uh... Just had it. Oh, here it is. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. Okay. So George Romero said that, that George A. Romero, excuse me. Uh, he said the most expensive part of the movies was cockroaches. Yeah, cockroaches. Cockroaches were, I think, fifty fifty cents a piece. Fifty cents a piece. Yeah. And they used more than two hundred and fifty thousand of them. Shit. Yeah. That's a lot of cockroaches, man. In a scene that will live with you forever. Get out of there, Ed. All right, here's the thing I was, I was telling you about. Rice Krispies were used as maggots on the corpse's eyes in the first story, Father's Day. That's what I was thinking. Real maggots were also used, but Rice Krispies, that's an interesting little trick. Ed, what are you doing, buddy? Come on. I gotta be smoking a cigarette outside at night in a graveyard. <laughs> See his eyes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. He's got one of those cowboy belt buckles. It's ready to go. Now, this was originally going to be Mother's Day, but because there was another Mother's Day movie that had just recently came out, they had to flip this this uh, segment into uh, Father's Day. So was it written for the book as Mother's Day? Uh, if this one was one of the ones based off the book, I don't know if this was one of the stories. I know a few of the stories were based off written from a book. 
of uh, like the one that's going to show Stephen King, the, the Lonesome Death of Jordy. Yeah. That one is was based off a story uh, called Weeds. And um, let's see here. Something t- Tied You Over was, a, was based off of that. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think I don't see which ones uh, the rest of them were. Oh shit! I guess you're screwed at this point. Was he controlling the brick? Yeah, as I say, so who's pushing it? Yeah, who's pushing it? That's oh, I guess, I guess he is. Yeah, I guess he's got. Looks like he's got some like physical yeah. powers. Ooh, <laughs> he got the force band. He got telekinesis and shit. Oh, all right, here we go. That's zombie walk. Bye, bye, Ed Harris. Who's this guy? That uh, is. Peter Messer. I don't see any anything that he's really done. Nope. Nothing of note. TV, lot of, lots of TV shows. Trying to see who else was in those. John Lorimer. I think a lot of these actors were like big in the seventies. That's that's my inkling. Well, I mean, you got this movie, you know, based in nineteen eighty one or eighty two. So yeah, I mean, that's what what you're gonna get. A lot of seventies actors here. Man, Tom Savini's in this movie. Holy crap! How old is Tom Savini? Yeah, he's got seventy four. He doesn't look seventy four. If you guys don't know who Tom Savini is and you ever watched Dust Till Dawn, he had basically had the, um, where I put this, the uh, cock piece with the gun on it. So, gives you a little. Oh, damn. Nice. That'll Dude. fix that neck problem. Yeah. More pain. What's wrong, girl? You can't dance anymore? She doesn't have her partner. What this douche? I think, it's, I think that's her brother, right? Uh, see, yeah, see, again, he doesn't... This yeah, is... yeah, so his sister, yeah. Adriana Barbeau, right? Is that Adriana Barbeau right there? Or Barbeau? What's her name? No, this is not. That's not her. No, it's somebody else. Hold on. Oh, no, okay, no. Actually, Richard is uh, Warner Shock. Is 
is this one? That's uh, Galen Ross, maybe? Nope. Her. I'm trying to think of his actresses right here. The pictures they have of here, like she looks so dramatically different. Of course, she was younger back then, but I just can't. I think that's Elizabeth Regan. I don't have her on my cast list here. Well, let me see. see. Yep. Wow, looks totally different. Okay. Yeah, good call. What? Was it? That's Elizabeth Regan. Yeah, that's what it says here on the cast list. I've got. Yeah, I, I, like I had it up here, but I, I was like, it just didn't look like. like ooh, wow. Seventy-four. They're all in their seventies. Well, she's you gotta a, think. Uh, think when the eighties were forty years ago. Shit, she's the she's a professor of technology now. Shit, good for her. Here we got Stephen King. There he is. And Stephen doesn't need any makeup. Just... You think he asked George, hey man, can you throw me in here? Throw me a bone? No, I got a feeling that, it, I mean, he was just made for this role too. I mean... Just look at I mean, just look at him doing this. You dummy! Why'd you put your hand in there? Do you not see the origin of Joe Dirt happening in front of you? <laughs> it's Joe Dirt's dad. Oh yeah, he's thinking about how much they're going to pay for it. Where do you think Joe Dirt got got the idea? And this is the only other actor in this skit in this uh, in this segment. And yeah, it's just Steven and in uh, this, yeah, this guy. And actually, this guy plays two roles. He plays the doctor, and he plays uh, Stephen King's character's dad. Yeah, I don't think that would happen nowadays. <laughs> only a professor is going to have a uh, money box like that. Again, this is a dream. Let's get up. Let it go. I know. I Oh, got the space herpes. Yeah. Uh-oh. Don't fucked up now. Oh, yep. Yeah. Money for you. I love how they just keep going back to this doctor. (laughs) 
Just take the meteor stone. I wonder when they were doing Men in Black and they had um, what do we call him? What's his name? Earl. Uh, is it Earl? Yeah, he's wearing an yeah. Earl suit. Yeah, so I'm saying he's wearing an Earl suit. That was Vincent D'Onofrio, which I can't believe. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that throws me off too. When I like look at that, I'm like, really? That was him? Shit. I hope he does show up in Hawkeye, but I don't think. Nah, yeah, I think Hawkeye needs to, because it's it's more of a passing of the torch kind of thing, and about you know him being like gr- grounded. Well, you could use Kingpin in there. Yeah, it's too it, much. It to, it's, new... it's too much to explain, especially you only have six episodes. Oh. You know, really want to get in and, and build build up. You know, give Hawkeye kind of his send off, talk about the family, and talk about the, the new girl, and that's gonna be too much. Without you hear that voice? No, I have it on mute. No. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. so they're watching uh, WWF wrestling with Vince McMahon doing commentary. This is kind of a sad story, though. Keep sucking on his thumb there. So was this meteor all about like just creating plant life or just I don't think they ever mentioned what it was. Oh, they do. Ripple. You put your finger in there, buddy. that threw me off I thought I was like oh yeah he's been going here so much the doctor actually died let me take these out oh my god I'm going to be back to biology class so apparently, uh, the makeup that he's wearing that he's gonna be wearing here shortly, uh, he's gonna apparently he, ha- he gets a, a bad reaction from it, and uh, had to be subjected to uh, shots and medication. Shit. When in doubt, amputate. And when directing this, um, Romero told George to uh, pl- or told Steven to play um, play Jordy at like a Wiley Coyote, the way he looks just before he goes off the cliff. He's got those eyes for it. Yeah, exactly. When you see the eyes, you see that. If, if, it's, if you want to judge him on the eye performance, he's there. Can't be sticking your fingers anywhere, Steven. Yeah. Kane. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. 
I like how they do these shots right here where it just goes back and forth where like it shows how much this thing is growing outside and how much is growing with him. It's almost like a parallel. Like the bigger it gets, yeah, he's getting like just as bad. A lost creature. And the movie that he's he's got on now, it's a, a Star is Born. It was a, the black and white movie that's watching now. My God. How many times has that movie been remade? Is it three times or four? It's a good trivia question. I, I, I think four. I think because you had the Barbra Streisand and then, of course, the most recent one. And I think there was like a bad one, like in the 90s or yeah like a made for tv movie yeah one? i think I, yeah i think you're right yeah i think it is for it. okay see too bad you're not turning into swamp thing swamp thing is cool yeah a little sidebar i mcfarlane he um i guess it was mcfarlane day at, at gamestop so he had all these pre-orders and one of them was swamp thing look really cool i think it's like about Nine inches, like this big. Back to the house. What are you doing? Waka, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, just drink yourself to death. There we go, some screwdrivers. That's the way to do it. Man, he goes like, oh, man, he's going old Kane style. That's like college days, Kane. Holy crap. What I mean is I, we, I used to buy a um, a thermos like that. It was similar, like one of those uh, cups you get at 7-Eleven, like a big giant one like that. And I would buy like vodka. And then I would pour the vodka in first, like halfway up. And then I would come into 7-Eleven and get myself like a um, Sprite, pour it in there or whatever, mix it up, and then... That's how I would go every party. I would always arrive like a thermos like that. I would finish two of those a night. Man, I was bad. Oof. I could recover better then. Talk about money. Stephen King must be filthy rich. Oh, I'm a lot sure of, like, he's not hurting. Like, no, because like today, like... We were talking about Stephen King properties back then, like all the movies that he made back then, and they were pretty popular. But even if flash forward now, like look at the TV series coming out. He, he's got The Stand. I think that's still going on. Um, there's another one. I think the Langoliers are going to do that one again. Uh, there have been talks of doing another, um, uh, what's the name? The one with the cat people. Where they're afraid of the cats. Just talk about doing that one. Cat people. No. Is it cat people? No, I don't know. I, I can't remember the name of that one. Did he do Cat's Eye? Was that yeah, his he did, or no? he did Cat's Eye. I think Cat's Eye was his. Might be wrong. He's got so many books, and he keeps making them. Has he made anything new recently? Oh, my gonna... God, yeah. He still comes out with almost two books a, uh, two books a year. Uh, he, just had, he just, this year, he had uh, Lily's Story. He had... Uh... Yeah, I mean, he, he keeps making books, like, nonstop. What is the the one that uh, McConaughey was in? The Black Tower or something? 
No, you're talking the Dark Tower. That was the one with Elders. Dark Tower, yeah, yeah. Elders. I didn't see that one. It, it I didn't. I watched it. I'm not. I'm a. I like the Dark Tower series. They just didn't do it justice. I think they just needed to let it go a little bit longer. I heard they're going to do that as a series on Hulu. That would make better sense because it it needs a series. It needs to be told. Because I mean, you're talking. I think nine books total. So. But you know, you look if you look at King, he just came out with two books this year: Late Ladder and Billy Summers. Uh, one book in 1999 or 1919, or, or 2019. 2018, he had The Outsider and Evolution. 2017, he had two more books. Now he's one to two books a year. All right, he has not stopped, and they're not bad either. It's not like they're you know they're shit books he's coming out with. Um, shit, what was I going to ask you? Apparently, and and you, as Mister Multiverse, King, is the king of multiverses. Pretty much all his book series, all are all have, live in the same world, and that's what the Dark Towers are. The Dark Towers explains and connects all of Stephen King's stories. Didn't that uh, didn't Castle Rock do the same thing? Castle Rock did the same thing, but it was more. It wasn't. It was, it was based in Stephen King's world, okay. not so much. Written by King, I think that he, he gave nod to them and carte blanche and say, "Yeah, go ahead and do it, play my world." Um, but yeah, but most of like most of King's like stuff, you'll see like in the Dark Tower, you'll see mentions, you'll see a lot of like some of the same characters roaming around from book to book. Well, even you, when you watch uh, some of the movies, you'll hear them make mention of of similar things. Because yeah, I remember in Castle Rock, there was a lot of stuff. They didn't mention it, but you would see like a, a Beethoven dog walk by mm-hmm. or you had like, like subtle references to like other stuff. They didn't outright say it, but yeah, that's, that's, but yeah, and they, they do. They basically kind of do the same thing with with his books. They all are kind of intermingled. What a horrible ending. So he became just boom. Ugh. Yeah, look, Castle Rock. We just we Castle were just Rock, talking. Portland, Castle. and Boston. They all they all are connecting. <laughs> I remember those things. Oh, okay. This is the. Um... It's Ted Danson there. 82. I think Cheers just started, so I'm thinking maybe that's before? After, maybe? Well, they probably were filming this in 81, so. Okay, so yeah, probably before. Everybody used to like the funny, funny, ha ha Leslie Nielsen. He wasn't so funny here. Apparently, he was off offset because he had a fart machine, and before they started filming these serious scenes, 
He'd push the fart, fart machine, get everybody chuckling, and then they'd just have to start filming. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he filmed this before, uh, before Cheers, because Cheers debuted September of this year, probably I think when the same time this debuted. Because I think this debuted in... What, I know early 82 at cons and then it debuted yeah November here in the state so cheers had been out for a couple months by the time this you know Leslie Nielsen was a dramatic actor for a long time. I'm trying to think what was the first film that he actually delved into comedy. Well, it was Airplane, right? I think it was Airplane was the first one. And Airplane was 81. It was a year before this, I think. I mean, I could be mistaken. Might be off my time. Uh-oh. Ted was the leading man. I wonder if he still collects residual checks off Cheers. Probably he still does. If he had the right contract, yeah. Yeah. Well, he was there for... What was the last episode? 89, I think. Yeah, it was... Yeah, Airplane was the one... Uh, 1980 is when that... Yeah, that came out. That's when he started kind of doing his... His, yeah, his comedy. I mean, he had comedy movies beforehand, but it wasn't like spoofy comedy like he was doing there. You know, probably one of the biggest ones he was probably in before that was Poseidon's Adventure. Poseidon's Adventure. And then wow. uh, I think like CBS Chisholm, or the Chisholm's. When did he start with the Naked Gun series? Because I know it was like Police Files was first, and then the Naked Gun movies came after that. I thought the Police Police Files was like earlier. Because that's the same character, right? Drebin is in the Police Files, and then yeah. that, that bled into the Naked Gun series. Might have been the first team. No, 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 it wasn't the first team. Everybody flashing the bling bling. What a creep. No, police squad. Yeah, that's what it was. It was police, police squad. squad. Yeah. Okay. I knew it was police something, so I was. And what year was that? That that come nineteen? That was based. Uh, let's see, Police Squad opening sequence is based on the nineteen fifty show M Squad. Let's see. 
You dummy. Yeah, a gun's gonna be the shovel anytime, bro. Yeah, police got squad was uh nineteen eighty two, so around this time. Okay. Throw yourself in the hole there, buddy. He's gonna shoot you, dude. Go for the legs, bro. Go for the legs. You can take him. He's old. Even now, come on, man, reach over. Let him get closer. Guess he wasn't thinking that. Now, if I recall, the whole story was that he, his wife was cheating on him with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then this is the husband he found out. He's like, yeah, I, I got her. Come over and see her. I haven't seen American Horror Story, but they, I guess, and I'm just judging it by appearance alone. Do they do like the anthology thing as far as they're just seasonal? They don't do it by episode. What do you mean? I mean, like we're talking about anthology series for horror, right? I guess American Horror Story would be that, but they just do it by season rather than in a movie. Well, actually, like, um, let me take that back. Let's uh, Tales from the Crypt will do anthology as far as episode to episode. Does American Horror Story just do the same thing, or they just no? American Horror Story does like one season of one theme. Okay, okay. So I mean, you might be able to call the series an anthology series. Mm. So that way, you know, it's like the same. Usually, it's the same actors doing different stories. You know, it's one show, and they're always something different. So I could kind of say the series. It's not a season. Like I guess, kind of what you're asking. Yeah, it's not a seasonal anthology, but I think it's a. Oh, okay. It's, that's an, it's an anthology series. Why every season they do something different? Okay, that's what I was asking. I've, I've never seen it. My daughter, uh, you know, she swears by that show. She's like, I love it. It's great. I'm like, I've, I've never seen an episode, and then I, I got called dummy for not watching it. And teenagers, man, can't win. Now, this is supposed to be, there wasn't one, a, a story called Something to Tie You Over. There was actually a Stephen King short story called The Ledge, in which a wealthy man forces his wife's lover to risk his life for amusement. It's kind of what it's based off of. Now, The Ledge made its way into the film as the second segment in Cat's Eye. If you remember Cat's Eye, Cat's Eye was sort of an anthology because it had a couple yes, of different yeah, stories. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, it was because the only thing that was common was the, well, the through line was the cat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look at that. Did the crab just give him the middle finger? Well, it's not really a middle. 
He's probably just he's just throwing up gang signs. I don't know. <laughs> that crab is connected, man. So he's out, he's out there rep representing Poseidon. I guess. <laughs> don't mess with Poseidon, yo. You know, I, I gotta say I'm a fan of extension cords because in my room I have to use like tons of extension cords for a lot of things. And Leslie Nielsen beats me here, man. He literally has like the longest extension cord I've ever seen in my life. And it shows you the sign of the times where they could just do that with a tablet and a cell phone now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need, you don't need all that stuff. He's got a tripod. He's got his TV out there. I mean, I don't know what, like a thousand feet of uh, extension cord going on. So, yeah, so yeah, I was looking up yeah, all the anthologies in the early age. You had Cat's Eye, Twilight Zone, the movie, New York Stories. Uh, we, I mean, we got to love New York, New York Stories. Story. Yeah, yeah Cre The Creep Show 2. Uh, you had American Pop, Heavy Metal, something we've already done. We've already done in the own anthology story. Yeah, yeah, we did Heavy Metal. That's right. When did we do that? This year or was it last year? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I'm just saying. Yes. Yes, we did it. I think it, I think it was last year. So was it part of last year's Halloween? No, that was part of something else. As far as, I think it was like a um, theme month or animated movies or something. Does she, uh, this girl look familiar at all? Who is she? She's actually from another uh, Romero movie, from uh, Dawn of the Dead. Really? Yeah, she was one of the stars in Dawn of the Dead. A lot of the people that were in here were in another uh, Romero movie, or um, Night Riders. Mm -hmm. A lot of the a lot of folks that were that were in this movie were from that that cast as well. It's coming in. Uh, you can't do it that way. Pretty much screwed, especially with the tide coming in.
Yeah, now there were two things that were hidden throughout the whole, all of the anthologies that were always there. One is a little glass horse that's hidden in, throughout every episode that's in here. And then also there's an ashtray that's in every episode as well. There's like, they've kind of left them around. There's a Star Wars reference, not in the movie, but during uh, during the uh, filming of the uh, Stephen King one, he would carry a Greedo, an action figure Greedo, just so for to kind of really? calm his nerves, to, because this is probably the most acting he's ever done. He's been in almost every one of his films, you know, either like small bits here and there, but but this is probably the most acting he's done, like in one scene. He's just sitting there chilling now. Yeah, got him. Screwed now. There's a shot coming up that is freaky when he goes underwater. Is it? No, I think it's Leslie Nielsen who's underwater when they do the scene. Yeah, well, yeah, there's, yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I was thinking Ted, so I was. Oh, this one's. Uh... That's kind of eerie, too. Watching the glow behind him. Yeah. He's got the glow. He's got the glow. He's gone. <laughs> See, now my thing is, is was, was his wife being drowned at the same time, or was that a recording? That's what I was wondering. Because I couldn't tell, because then he put it on live on his TV, like it was both of them. I'm like, so which, which, what's going on here? Maybe she was dead already. I thought so, but then as I guess he started playing them together at the, on the TV at the same time, so...
Bonnie's driving. Uh, that's awesome music in the background. Yeah. Woman's woman wailing in the background, almost very reminiscent of like a theremin. Some footprints. Little jumps to two. So, so Ted Danson explained like in 2015 about that scene. He said that they uh, make like a little aquarium tank and it, he got into a wetsuit and climbed in. And then somebody reached down it with an oxygen tank, a ventilator thingy and let him breathe. But it was, it was just, it was just there for like, for like a little bit of fake sand and some wood. And that was easy for him to pop out of. Okay. I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, check out, there's a, a, a show called the AV club and they like do like a lot of like, uh, like interviews with folks about different movies, new movies, older movies like this. AV Club. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a fun show if you ever want, get a chance to watch it. Actually, I think this is probably a film not that far from uh, where you grew up, uh, Berkeley Township in New Jersey. I don't know how far away it was from. Uh, Berkeley was. That's it's more north. So yeah. Island, Island Beach State Park. Yeah, that's pretty close to me. That's like uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's where it's, that's where it's filmed at. Oh shit! Yeah, that's like that's like a like an hour and change. Oh, that necklace that he's wearing it reminds me of a necklace that you see in um, Stargate. I don't know. It's just very Egyptian-like. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about. It looks like the wings and a, and a serpent. Yeah. A badass house, though. Big-ass Buddha. Great classic horror feel. That's the smoke oh, steam man. coming up to the to the front door. Even the fish are afraid. That's so cool. So opening weekend, this grossed uh, five million dollars in uh, eleven thousand twenty-seven or, or eleven hundred twenty-seven theaters, ranking number one, replacing a, an interesting movie. I'm surprised it's knocked it out. It knocked out First Blood from the top spot. Rambo, the first Rambo movie. And it became uh, Warner Brothers' highest-grossing horror film of that year. It's a lot of money back then. Inflation will be like what, twenty-two million? Yeah. Well, you got to think not just the inflation, but also the amount of theaters. You know, there weren't the same amount of theaters there were now as they were back then. You know, I could think back in my hometown. I know now within a driving range, there's probably about three to four movie theaters. 
when I grew up there, we had a drive-in and one theater that had three movies. And that's it. So, you know, I had to think of the, the amount of theaters and the number of screens in each theater has gotten, gotten bigger. Shit, just think in Altamont alone. In Altamont, we had an Interstate 6 that had six theaters and then one movie theater that had two where the new Altamont 18 is. Yeah, that was yeah, that was at the old uh, was, penny yeah. theater, dollar yeah. theater. Yeah, remember that? Well, no, no, it wasn't a dollar theater. It was a regular theater, but it was just it was just two two screens. That's all they had. And you think of that area alone. There's eight. There's there's eight screens now. In one theater, there's eighteen th- screens. So. But yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like it's not just the amount of you know amount of money is a big thing, but also the amount of theaters that are out there for for, for screens to show up. Do you figure first run? There are probably at least two theaters in the in the Altamont movie, maybe two to three, that are running it. Mm-hmm. You know, if a new movie comes out, well, actually, yeah, well, I'm going to see James Bond tomorrow. There's three types of movies out there, so and they're in three different theaters. Again, the makeup looks so good. The only thing I don't like about it is the creatures at the end of each one have the same vocal distortion. <laughs> like this yeah yeah they're all garbly you know like they all sound the same that was kind of cool though just shot her in the head and Ooh, it's all practical too man let's oh no i'm sorry i'm just a big practical guy I just think it looks more menacing. I mean, not the CGI doesn't. We've evolved. But this should give you nightmares. Well, yeah, and because because it's it's real. It's not only is it real looking, it's real. that you know, that, that's... Right there, you can touch it. I, I mean, I think the, the last movie we're doing this month is, you know, speaks volumes about practical events. That, that's like the OG one. Now, this is a little... I gotta give the, these uh, what you would call a seaweed zombies credit because they knew how to ins- they know how to set up the camera and everything. I don't think it's on. I think it's just there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think they just stood it back up. I can hold my breath a long, long time. <laughs> Uh, probably the best one out of this one out of these stories. Yeah, the uh, the crate. Yeah, the crates one. Probably one of my favorite ones. And if you look at the crate, there's a nod to another movie that we've already done on the crate itself. 
No, there's another movie that came out obviously years after this, and I think it took a lot of homage from this story. And if I tell you, you probably know what it is. The Relic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hal Holbrook. Now, that lady right there was a girl. I was talking about Adriana. Yeah, yeah Barbo. Yeah. Bar- Barbo, yeah. She was in tons of stuff. Started off originally as Rizzo in Greece in the uh, Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's one. Um, Escape from New York. She was in that, and she was in uh, several other ones. Not a lot of big movies at the time. You know, I was thinking about your Reno Williams thing. You talked about a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, Reno Williams, yeah. Williams with uh, John Bernthal. Yeah. Of course, I know I agree because I think Bernthal has that look. But if you wanted to get like the um, the mentor Chinese Korean guy, what about Jet Li? You could I mean, go that route. Been- you could go that route. It's just it's one of those things. Like right now, it's kind of kind of sensitive. Yeah. So. Because we've seen Jackie Chan pull it off, so I'm just wondering if he could do it. We all know girls. Like Percy, I think it'd be funny if Jackie Chan did it. Yeah, but Jackie already did it. He, but no, like he's... now older now. I mean, that one was a while ago. I saw the um. This movie that he did with Arnold Schwarzenegger, dude. Oh, my God. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's comical. I'm not sure if that's what they went for, but it's bad. It's really bad. And Jackie Chan plays like an old wizard. That's how you know it's bad. Look at that. Holding his leg. Oh. You know who would really be good? He's old enough, and I think it would just... It would add the right bit of humor coming from him. George Takei. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm just, I think just that the... the, the his acting and his like his over exaggerations on certain, on certain, I just think that would be awesome. As a master, yeah. Kind of- <laughs> and, and, and then and and but keep keep him gay. Don't don't make him straight. Keep yeah, him gotta, as a gay master. I think that'd be hysterical. They would eat well. The house would be clean. Wow, what we having a repeat of last week? <laughs> Get a little a little racist and uh. I was not racist. I'm just saying. Well, well, yeah. I don't, I'm just thinking what, what, if he's going to do the scene with the plates. Remember the plates in the original Remo Williams where he's like, bal- yes, like, if you want to do your balance and get to your room, you have to do, you have to get all these, these, he had these staffs or like these wooden things set up with plates on it. And he would have to get, jump on each one to get to his room. That'd be funny if he did that. 
God, it's pissed. Oh, an Antarctic expedition with a strange crate. Oh. Take a little nod to, to the thing. Whoa. <laughs> oh, that's just him in his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd be in jail for life right away. <laughs> she plays the bitch part pretty good. Oh, Tori. In Vegas. Oh, shit. Eighteen ninety four, that predates the thing, so that was there beforehand, huh? Shut up. Oops. Sorry about that. Guys, you should have left that thing alone. 1834. Arctic expedition. I wouldn't open that. I would just leave it in there. I would just like let bygones be bygones and say, you know, see you later. Nothing to see here. It's a quarter. Yeah. Are you crazy? Oh, I I just remember what how the story ends now. Okay. Recollection. There was a um. I think this movie is kind of ripe for a remake, right about now. Or series. If you wanted to go that route, I mean. But it's been out long enough that you you could do it and and get away with it now. I mean, God knows they're remaking everything else. 
But if I were to do it, I I think I, I think yeah, I think I would go the way of a streaming series. I'm sure he has just tons of stories he, he could tell. Or maybe you could just take, you know, these four stories here and make them like season long. You know, total things like almost like American Horror Story. Like you could find like, for in, for instance, like this story right here with the crate. Like it, like this would be like the last like episode nine, ten. But before this, you would have like where was the crate before? Like let's what happened in eighteen thirty four? Where did they find this thing? Like who found it first? How did they get there? Who sent it there? How was he related to that? Like you could do like a whole season on these stories alone. So you got four seasons right there. If they wanted to go that route, I'm not sure if they do, but it's just an idea. You could have them all connected in a in a way as well. Yeah, because they're basically connected. They're basically connected anyway. Not other than just them all being in a comic book. Yes, really. But you could have like you know the the rich family at the beginning of the movie that they that their that you know their money paid for the expedition to prick up, yeah, pick up yeah, the crate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This Perfect. guy could be a doctor at the at the university where this, you know, this is going on. Or, you know, Ted Danson could be a could be the doctor at a university and then, you know, just they all could be like this bad bad juju just following each person. It literally intertwined it. It would all yeah. work too. Because you literally could like like I was saying before, I'm not sure if you were here for that, but like you know, while we're intertwining these stories from like with the other ones, like you could like the beginning of this season for this particular story, it could be like, you know, in 1834 when they first found this crate. Like, where did it come from? Right. Like, did it crash land? Was it somebody else's? And then like the ending, like, how did they get here? Who sent it? Because it's it's like the story, like it's so prime. There's a lot of like, it's kind of like the Punisher movie we did uh, a couple weeks ago when we were doing Anti Marvel Month. And I look at it again through a fresh prism. I was like, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff in here that you just insert a couple things. You could have a connected universe real quick. Like take one guy out, put another guy in. Like I think I mentioned you could have Matt Murdock in there or um, Kingpin and The Hand. And you really wouldn't have to do anything. All you're doing is just swapping out characters. Oh, nails. Damn. No, those are cement nails. Shit. Cement nails just look like spikes, but they're really just made for nailing into cement, not wood. Don't open that shit. shouldn't smell it's got holes in it it should be breathing on its own doesn't it yeah i thought it had holes in it yeah there there is a couple holes see see, see the one over there where it's in the middle of that uh, letter yeah. i think it's the beauty of it you don't really see anything I love the the light changing when things like this happen. Yeah. 
it's happened like we had the green light, then we had an orange light. Well, yeah, you, you had the light around like Ted Ted Anson's head yeah. when he, uh, you know. Here's Cooper. No, the red light's on you, dude. It's over. What the? A pissed off ape. Is that what it is? No, I don't know. I don't think we ever or explain to what it is. But that's what it looks like. Even through the cliff, shit. This guy and some stuff. I think. Face looks familiar. No, no, I take it back. It just looks like somebody. Let go of me, man. <laughs> yeah, this is uh yeah, you probably might recognize him. This is uh Robert Harper. Um let's see. In Gilmore Girls, Law and Order, NYPD Blue, Picket Fence. And he's been he's been around for a while. He did the he did the eighties run. Cause yeah, he's been. If you pretty much if you watch anything in the '80s, you'll recognize him. He's been in a lot. Thank you. I think probably what you mo maybe recognize him most from was um, Twins, with Schwarzenegger and DeVito. Oh, okay. I was gonna say Bosom Buddies, but I guess it's not him. No, yeah, I don't think he was in Bosom Buddies. He was in Remington Steel, though. Remington Steel. <laughs> yeah, help us out, man.
box move by itself. Pretty sure the he, I'm pretty sure the big hairy thing inside moved it. And then he went back in the box. Leave me alone. Yeah, probably put it back in there. Yeah, see, he wanted to go back to bed. You motherfuckers woke me up. Now, is he trying to... F I guess he's trying to feed this thing now. I don't think so, no. I think he's trying to help. Trying to figure out what, what it is and get it out of here. I don't think he's trying to feed it. Oh. Uh. There's another movie I think you're thinking of there was kind of the similar thing you find there's this creature thing and he tries to feed it um you know what I'm thinking of I just thought of it it's an episode of monsters again it's it? actually it's in it what it was it was <laughs> it was a um it was a killer couch he had like he had these dates he kept bringing over and he would feed these the dates he didn't like to this couch and then it turns out like at the end he's dating another chick and the chick brings him over to his house. Oh, to her like, house, yeah. Her house. And, like, she has a couch that eats all her bad dates. So he yeah. got, like, that's what happened. That's what I was that monster that had the creature that lived under a kid's bed and he was... Yes! Like, okay. Yeah. I kept thinking that was um, stories, uh, amazing stories. But, that okay, that's monster. Okay, I have to look for those shows in because I love that that episode. It's very similar to, um, basically, I mean, the basic concept behind Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. You know, he starts feeding Aubrey. Run! Ah, dead. Yeah, that's like a... Uh, I said, yeah, just a... An ape. Yeah. Killer baboon, maybe? Oh, you fucked up. Yeah, you, you did. And he realized he made a mistake. Oh. Oh, no. Mm. And you need to talk to your electrician, too, man. You got some bad lighting going on. Yeah, man. How come is that lighting only changes and shit happens? I think this is when Hal starts putting some some devious thoughts in his head. It's like, hmm, really? So most because, of most of this was filmed at the um, Carnegie Mellon University, except the backyard scene that we saw earlier. That was actually filmed at uh, Romero's home. A nice home. But yeah, Romero was able to film at the Carnegie Mellon University because he was an alumni of the of the college. So. I love how there's a role reversal with these two guys at the beginning of this story. 
he's more the confident one and Hal Holbrook is more like, you know, like, oh man, I don't know if I can do this. And now you got Hal, it's, it's, it's like a role reversal now it's happening. Because he's sitting there freaking out and Hal's like, oh really, tell me more. He's like, well, I got an idea now. Where is this box? <laughs> how come the creature never went for him was it closest to the box is that what it was or uh, yeah i think he just went after whoever was closest to the box i mean you had the janitor who was like literally hands put his hands in the box and then you had the dumb kid who you know was in his closest to the box this guy never got close enough Now, Universal Studios uh, has added Creepshow to their uh, Halloween Horror Nights just exclusively uh, for them. So, and they've included a maze. They started it uh, 2019, but they've continued it. And it's basically the maze has three segments from this movie, and then two other segments from, are from the uh, web television series that's on Shutter right now. Shutter has a lot of good stuff on there. Even Tubi has some good horror movies on there. Yeah, most of the free ones have some keep some of the you know the good. I mean, you and I are. I mean, we, we love horror movies, so it's we love <laughs> the better, the worse, the better. You really and uh, you go on to those, you'll find some of the bad bad ones on there. Like I save up the really grade A good ones for Halloween, and the rest of the year I just like I, I'll you know dip our toes into. The B movies or you know lower rated ones, anything from you know Grindhouse or, or um, what's the new company? Just drew a blank on them. Blumhouse. Blumhouse, yeah. Looks like there was a show back in two thousand eight, a pilot uh, episode for Creep Show Raw. Uh, the pilot was filmed and or was directed by. This is interesting. Was directed by Wilmer Valderrama, Fez. And really? uh, and it featured Michael Madison uh, in the sh in the episode, but yeah, it was it was produced, but no other no other episodes were produced. So, be kind of interesting to see if that one get, get that one to come out sometime. Do it. And there's also a creep show uh, memorial museum. 
Uh, you can that? um it's you can either find it there's a place on Facebook you can go and view it view images from it but it's also it's located in Louisiana. So if anybody's really interested in seeing some some cool shit, I'm sure like they'll have the crate and some other things. Not enough. One more time. Al Holbrook doing his best Dexter impersonation now. I think you need some bleach in there. Again, that lighting is faulty there, that university, man. Clorox, bro. Not that I know anything from experience, just saying. So uh, Roger Ebert gave the movie three stars and said that it basically Romero and King have approached this movie with humor and affection as well as uh, the, with appreciation for the macabre, which, yeah, definitely oh, yeah. he does. Again, that red lighting. It's everywhere. This kind of reminds me of another film, an older film. It's a Vincent Bryce film. And it had, like, Similar tones with the lighting. It's called Masket of the Red Death. He did that one. It was a similar, and they had like similar, not similar scenes, but they had like that red lighting would come into effect when the, uh, when death would show up at the ball. Good for you. You clean it real fast. Fuck the janitor. You had how? He could have done a better job. Now that crate didn't just say that it was from the Antarctic. It said it was shipped to somebody too, by the way. Yeah, it did. I it, thought it said Hal Holbrook on no, it. No, it said shipped to Julie Carpenter. Some, yeah. From the Antarctic. Uh, Carpenter, say. Oh. So they they're not saying it was a, direct, a possible homage, but I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> when you're making it making it that close. Put two and two together. Yeah. What did the letter say? Say, hey, meet me here for some drinks or something? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see the. Come on, Hal. Now, if I recall, he's got to drag that crate all the way back into the um, 
the room, the um, the classroom, if I remember correctly. No, no, no. Or is it an office? Because that crate is not light. Well, if you get a guy to come out and help you move it, I'm sure it's pretty light. Well, it's just him. No, I think <laughs> she walks down there. Okay. So he doesn't move it. Okay. So she drunk and trying to sober up with milk? Is that or is that a drink that she made with milk? It's probably a drink with milk. Probably, probably a little white Russian. With milk? Like just straight milk? Like no, it's probably cream. White, white Russians are white. So it's probably cream. Well, I know that. I'm saying there's not a coffee liqueur. Don't, don't you mix that with a white Russian? Not always. No, trust me. You can. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, if you watch Big, Big Lebowski, you know, he puts cream in, you know, Kahlua. And that's white on white, so. White on white. All right, all right. All right. If I was married to her, I'd be miserable, too. Well, at least these things are running pretty much on time with four stories, 30, 30 minutes each. Pretty quick movie. Kill this one. <laughs> Now, now, Fluffy, which is what they named the uh, the creature, uh, was the first fully animatronic creature that Tom uh, Savini, that created it, that he's the one that did a lot of the, the special effects on this. It says he spent over an hour and a half on the phone with Bob Button, um, the effects artist from The Thing, The Howling, and Total Recall, getting advice on how to build to build this thing. The howling, that makes sense. He's trying to wake it up now. Come on, killer. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? Trying to knock her out and wake it, wake the thing up. Uh-oh, you're screwed. Just wait for the red light. When it shows up, he'll come out. It's like the bat signal. Which, ironically, <laughs> is in red now. Or red background. Oh! This lady's tough. Drat's foiled again. 
Uh-oh. Yep, see? I got this, Karen, for you, Henry. Don't worry. Yeah. We're good, bro. <laughs> you did it! You're free! There you go. You got to update the locks. Good job. Now, when I first saw that, I thought the thing was going to open back up and get him. Of course you did. That's how they're, that's how they're shooting it to make you feel that way. The tension, the quietness, the suspense. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of great writing and great directing. Yes. Bloody chain. Quick about it. Never know when you have to use that shit again. <laughs> he know he knows something's going on. Just lock it real fast, quickly, quickly. There you go. Man, I did you a favor. Is how you were paying me? Bad move, bro. Bad move. That's a big rate, man. Jesus. And there's your favorite little comic book panel things. And they got no night, no night watch security at that college. Just saying. No, because like he just explained, they're in between semesters. I didn't hear. I had the volume down there. No. Oh. oh. See, why did you have your hands out? Now you put them back in. Oh, there we go. Damn, Hal, you did them dirty. thing has survived before. Yeah, it sat in that crate for over a hundred years. I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah, it'll...
Got rid of your wife, dude. What a pain in the ass she was. I did it. For the rock. <laughs> Yeah, these two guys just committed murder, and you know, it's all good. Well, they didn't. They're accessories to it, to that little whatever baboon creature that was. Well, let's go back and just play some chess now. Man, this guy still looks surly after a nut and Hal looks fine. You clean up, bro? Come on. It's gone, man. It's gone. Relax. I guess I'm subtitled on here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he broke the crazy. Screw this. Now, what was supposed to happen is her remains were supposed to come up with him. Like, as the creature broke out, her body parts were supposed to float to the top, too. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work out, so they de they deleted the scene, and I think that's when you just saw the, the creepy eyes staring at you, so... This is our last one. Yep, this is where this is where most of the budget went to, and most of my nightmares. Now, that song is also the song that plays at the uh, very end of the Evil Dead, the first Evil Dead.
This is what I think Monk would be if he had money. <laughs> like wearing white gloves in this like sterile room. So it was rumored there was another actor that was up uh, that was going to be up for the role for for uh, for Upton Pratt, this character here. One, uh, one Max von Sydow. But he uh, he took on the uh, role of Dr. Kins in Dune instead. Yeah, better choice. I don't know. I think I think my Max von Sydow would be kind of fun in this one, too. It'd be funny. He's a germaphobe. The damn herpes. <laughs> now, where, where is he an institution? Is this his house? No, this, that's his house. So he he lives like a monk, like literally. I like. Yeah, a he monk. he runs his business. I mean, basically, like we're doing right now, dude. He's working from home. He's got a, a whole home set up. He's got even a an Alexa. Don't even start. Uh, he's got an uh, he's got an Alexa thing um, <laughs> there. You know, he's like, well, no, I don't want to wake her up. She kicks. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, I mean, this is like. It's kind of a, a foreshadowing of things to come where this man's you know, staying home being extremely clean and sterile. Now, what's the enemy of clean and sterile? Of course, the cockroaches. He's wearing cotton gloves and everything. Yeah, that's Jeez. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I said I, I think I would see I could see Monk living this way that if is, Monk, if Monk could have the money. You know what they should do if they do, redo this? Have Tony Shalhoub do this actual um, story? That'd be his. That'd be well, you you saw you saw the uh, he had a trailer at the beginning of the lockdown when the COVID came out as Monk talking about how you know to wash your hands and everything like he did like yeah, in the same I, character it was like, great. I love that. Yep, he's even got the little home vacuum thing that a lot of home newer houses have where you can just sweep up your stuff, open up a door, and sucks it right in. I was a fan of Monk. I love that show. It was just so different. Can't get rid of cockroaches, man. They're everywhere, dude. Wow. I, I, that, that's a, um, shit. Blast of the past. Commodore 64, almost a little setup right there. Yep. Those printers. Jesus. Now, if that's a fax machine right there, you had to have money to have a fax machine. A little mad scientist going on there. That hair. <laughs> I wonder if they made Men in Black. Maybe they were thinking, you know, you know what? We're going to make this sequel and have the cockroach be the main player. That's what, uh, what's his name? Well, he's a cockroach, right? 
Is that a secretary he's talking to, or is oh, go on here? You know, it's all in the setup too. Like everything is calm. And yeah, very calm, very sterile. Very sterile, and then when everything shit happens, it just like it happens. Is he a bookie, counting? No, he he, run, he runs a company because apparently because it's a wife, the woman he just talked to, was one of his uh, wives uh, or people he works for his wife, their wives. So, so he's just a douchebag. Basically, he's basically Scrooge. Scrooge with cockroaches. Timey jukebox. Yes, and playing a song from uh, the end of Evil Dead. So I guess he's in New York City. Yep. I mean, where else you can get that many roaches? I give the guy credit. He must have had that apartment like literally. Oh, and that's not a Commodore sixty four. I think that's one of the Tandys. Oh, okay. would never find a place like that that clean in New York City. You just keep focusing that trash can. All right, fuck yay. <laughs> I feel too bad. I actually found a cockroach in my bowl of cereal one time. There you go. Oh, look at that. First of the person we've seen this scene. First person. Other than himself. Weird. At, that's a big keyhole. Or uh, what should we call it? Peephole? Is he, a is he supposed to be like a uh, 
exterminator? Uh, I think he's the uh, he's the the, the, the on call technician. Come on in. Why why we gotta show their mouths, man? It's unnecessary. Well, that's that's the whole point because you're trying to over exaggerate. This guy's creep that he's creeped out by a lot of dirty things. <laughs> oh man. Again, another one. He was in Night Riders, uh, Dawn of the Dead. That the actor, the the guy that was at just at the door. So he made the rounds as well. Yeah, he made the rounds. He was also in Silence of the Lambs, Monkey Shines, Zach and Miriam make a porno. Yeah, he's still still around. Again, he played himself in a Mister Rogers neighborhood. Oh wow! You can't go can't go wrong with little Mister Rogers. I saw that documentary. Was it um, being my neighbor a couple years ago? It wasn't. Really? A, no, was it? You're talking the documentary or the movie? Is it the one? Because the there's there's one with uh, where oh, Tom Hanks plays the, plays him. I, I haven't seen the Tom Hanks one. Oh, it's, no, it's really good. Another son of a bitch in black. Yeah. Is he barely in the movie though? What? No, no, Tom no. Hanks? He's no. Yeah, he's in it. Okay. Oh shit. Yeah, dude. Damn, they got bigger too. Oh, here we go. 50 cents a piece, folks. 50 cents a piece. 250,000. The lights went off. Boom. Gotta have that red light. I, I was creeped out about, about this until I spent a bunch of summers down in uh, South Florida with the Palmetto Bugs where they could fly. Oh. And then I just kind of got over it. I don't know why I thought when that scene went there, when everything went to black, that it would, when it turned back on, you would see like a giant cockroach. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah all over them or like a giant cockroach. Like, ah! You're screwed, dude. They've taken over everything. 250,000 of them. All you got to do is go to some condemned building in New York City or Brooklyn and you know, just wait. Dude, get out of there. It's too late. Kept killing their relatives, man. They're pissed. Yeah, this would give me nightmares. <laughs> now, one of the guys that was well, one of the voices on the phone, the, the Bob Bean that he just talked to just before the guy in the elevator, is actually Ned Beatty. He oh, he lent his voice as an uncredited role. Oh. Take your gloves off, dude. 
Oh, the power's out. <laughs> so this is his there you like go. His, his isolation room. himself in there yeah oh wait oh he's sitting there cursing at the cockroaches you'll never get in Uh-oh. don't do it don't do it Like, screw you we got you now syntax error yeah, what happens when the light goes back on all the cockroaches go away gone like thieves in the night Oh, still fucking with him. Oh, they got in him. Oh, in oh. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Ah, oh, dude, they all got in him. Hey, hey. He wanted to be trapped inside. That was the, um, I believe that's the original comic too. Yeah, the cover for for that. Yeah. But I, I say I don't remember the original Creep Show one. I don't think there was a Creep Show comic book. I think there was just a bunch of other ones. Yeah. And this is them paying homage. Now the uh, the the Mark Mark uh, Laurie that we were talking about that was a special effects artist. He's one of the garbage men here. There he is. That's Tom Savini up there. I guess this would be the fifth story. But well, this is the prologue getting... and the epilogue. This is the one. Yeah. This is the book ending because this is what we started with. Hmm. So, would you consider it a fifth story or just like? I consider it the first story yeah. since we started with it. Yeah. So, this is just part B of the main story or the first story. 
There's that red light again. <laughs> Seems handy. I do like this animation, though. I like how you're still saying they were gone. And that, my friends, was creep shit. Mike, what'd you think? Okay, I mean, one of my. One of my old favorites. I can't say this is something I watch all the time. Every couple of years, I might like grab it and put it on and uh, and watch it. But I mean, it's it's fun. Like we were saying throughout the sh- you know throughout it, it's you know it's a great anthology. And I, I'm a fan of anthology movies, and it was one of the original ones. And I, I mean, how can you go wrong with two of the greats, Ramiro and King? I mean, just hands down. Did they do anything else after this? Uh, they did the second one. They both they both returned for the Creep Show too. Uh, again, taking from short stories that King has, and then you know, of course, George. Uh, I think George had a more writing role in the second one because this is the only movie that is listed as a movie that he directed that he did not do the screenplay for. So I'm assuming him and King got together and did the screenplay for the second book because they were both really good friends and they always wanted to work together. And this was their, their chance. Yeah, because you would think like their styles are like just grants itself. To, like, yeah, work uh, and I think that's where they were friends. They probably met up at some of the conventions and stuff, you know. Because back even back in the seventies, you know, they, you did have a lot of horror conventions, and so I'm I'm pretty sure that they met up during those conventions, and then just you know it being in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, this is the first time they were able to work together and do this. Uh, but yeah, no, it's I, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, it's just a fun overall fun movie. And again, like I said, you know, you got the two. Two of the kings, really. You know, the the man, the man that that's continuing to write great movies or great books right now, uh, and then of course the king of the zombies. Yeah, it, I think this was the only movie they collab. I'm sure they're still friends and they do stuff like behind the scenes, like book wise. But I think film wise, this was the only time they collaborated. Yeah, it's, yeah. When I was doing my research, it's the only one I saw that they did together. But shocking, and you like you would think like even like nowadays, especially they would breathe for them to work again. But I guess. You, know, you got Joe out there doing his thing, and Steven's a little bit older, and George George, so I guess they're just doing their own thing. So, you know, when you do have like two great minds like that come together, you do have some good stuff like this. Well, no, don't, then, George passed away years ago. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking why, about? Dude? Why do they still think he was alive? I don't know. You you want him to still be alive? I do. Yeah, you know, he he passed away 2017. But no, King, like I said, King is still an active, active, active writer. So he's always focused on his writing career. He's he doesn't really get too involved in his in his movies, you know, when he, I mean, think about some of his best movies, the biggest one I would probably say, you know, that that's like a classic for everybody is probably Shawshank Redemption. It's a short story. He made a dollar off of the movie, off of the movie rights. He sold it to this guy, said, here you go, man. If you can make something of it, make something of it. A lot of his short stories were done that way. And a lot of times he doesn't get too involved in the movie making project. That's why a lot of comic, you know, a lot of the book fans are like, well, that's not it. Well, that's because he just kind of let them go, go about their own business. You know, yes, he yes, he's up there. You know, he's in mid seventies, but still, I mean, still an active, active contributor to, you know, to his field. Yeah, well, I mean, you think two, 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 two books every year, every other year. Well, you know, one. He's oh, he's got a book coming out every year, sometimes two. So I mean, if you think being a seventy year old man being that productive, and they're not bad, it's not like they're he, they're getting shitty or as he gets older. No, they're still staying up there just as well. George R. R. Martin can't even finish one novel. This guy pumps out two every year. That's freaking insane. Mm-hmm. 
and he's yeah. probably making more money on those, on those IPs because yes, he's not he's he's writing like you said, but his IPs are everywhere now. He's outsourcing them to like streaming series. You know, oh, yeah. We talked about Dark Tower before. I mean, so Stephen King's very much alive, and so is Romero as far as the industries goes. They're they're still going. There's still some intent out there. But yeah, I mean Romero's always going to be an impact on that that be. genre, no matter what. There, he 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 stapled you know staped you know staped, stamped himself as like. The icon that he's always going to be looked at, you know, even even the even the digital stuff that they're doing now in the CGI, it's always going to be looked at. Can that hold a candle to Ramiro? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So. Anyway, guys, that was movie number three of our Halloween special throughout the months. We'll continue to provide some more entertainment in the coming weeks to come. Uh, Mike? Guys, make sure you do check us out on Heroes Asylum, our regular podcast. We are back to a weekly schedule, and especially the, uh, this week's show. When you guys hear this one, this will be uh, already out. The Midnight Movies will already, or the, the Heroes Asylum, I'm sorry, will already be out. But we will be not only talking about some of the news that came out this week, but also DC Fandom is to, uh, is on. It will be on Saturday the 16th. So we're definitely going to have a lot to talk about there. I believe uh, they've already started kind of rolling stuff out on Friday evening right now. Uh, but yeah, Saturday is going to be crazy, and yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So if you guys are comic book fans, run over there. And uh, thank you guys all for uh, downloading and listening. You guys have been uh, definitely brought up the numbers. We appreciate it. If you want to check out for updates on DC Fan, check out our Facebook page and Twitter at Hero Silent underscore podcast, Instagram at the Hero Silent. We will update everything on fandom because it's going to be lots of fun. And as always, from Mike to me to you, get to the silent. See you soon, kids. Bye.